0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Money for Lunch. Here, you get to hang out with some of the biggest shakers, movers, i to call it leaders, icons of industry here on Money for Lunch, making your business and your life a little bit easier. All right, let's start with the quote of the day. The quote of the day, life takes on meaning when you become motivated, set goals and charge after them in an unstoppable manner by Les Brown. Just love that quote. Life takes on meaning when you become motivated, set goals and charge after them in a, in an unstoppable manner. Good one Les Brown. All right, speaking of unstoppable, today I'm being joined by the unstoppable CEO himself, Steve Gordon. Steve Gordon is a best-selling author, the founder of The Unstoppable CEO, and the host of The Unstoppable CEO podcast, and has written over 400 articles on marketing for service business. Through his firm, he helps service business entrepreneurs create, leverage marketing systems so they can spend less time on business development and more time on what matters most. Steve Gordon, welcome to the show. Hey,
1: Bert, great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You bet, I have to tell you, I love that title, Unstoppable CEO. I mean, I just love that.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, That came out of a conversation with a buddy of mine. He was asking me early on in the business who who I really wanted to serve, who our, our ideal client was. And I started describing, who you know, typical kind of business owner, built a business up, slogged through all kinds of stuff to do it. You, you know what we do all the time, right? The stuff right. that most normal people would, would never sign up for. And I said, yeah, they just keep going and going and going. And he said, oh, you mean they're unstoppable? I said, oh, we got a name. So that's, that's how that came about.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's a, it's a very catchy very uh, engaging title. It, it, you know, it automatically brings images of, you know, the Terminator, if you will, in a suit and tie, <laughs> or I guess nowadays would be a t-shirt and jeans, you know, just right. uh, vanquishing the foes out there. So, all right. So let me ask you this: Let's talk about ways to overcome the biggest challenge is in growing or attracting clients because this is, I think, where a lot of people slip up. So let's get into this.
1: Well, I think that a lot of what people are doing these days is um, what we've come to call thin marketing. And You know, particularly with the types of businesses we work with, which they're selling usually a service. It's not cheap. So they're asking people to spend a fair amount of money. They're asking people for a lot of trust because most of the time these people are selling some kind of advice um, and and the, the buyer has got to trust the advice and trust the person giving it. And so it's not a transactional sale. There's a lot of relationship involved. And yet we spend a lot of our time tweeting and posting content in different places and and doing these sort of thin touches on relationship. And it's not that those things aren't helpful or important, but I, I think we've forgotten that in order for someone to spend a significant amount of money on us, we've got to have a relationship with them. And we've got to get them into relationship and, and uh, And we need a method for for doing that, and so um, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges right now and I think it really comes from the fact that for most business owners uh, who didn't get into business because they were natural salespeople, but you know the accountant that went and got an accounting degree and got licensed and then decided to create their own firm and then all of a sudden realized oh, I got to go get clients or the consultant that loves doing their, you know, the management consulting or the IT consulting or whatever it is, but then suddenly realizes, oh wait, I gotta do this sales thing, they often will say to themselves, Well I didn't say you know, I didn't sign up for this. I don't know how to do this. I'm not really comfortable doing what I see the sales guys do.
0: Right. And I'm not a salesperson.
1: Think, yeah. So I think part of that is a misunderstanding of what a really good salesperson does. Uh, which I think is much more about serving, and we can talk about that. But I think the other part of that is just because they're not comfortable with it because they're maybe a little bit afraid of some of those interactions or they just don't know what to do, that they retreat back to this thin marketing because it's there, it's in front of them, they don't have to leave their office, it seems easy. But it's difficult to use that all by itself and get really great results.
0: Yeah, I think social media is like is like – Chewing gum for your marketing. You can, you know, you're definitely doing something. It's easy, but you typically, at the end of the day, have nothing to show for it. And yeah, I, I think I, I, I was going to say that now, again, there are some exceptions to the rule. Uh, I think that if you're selling a, a low cost widget, you know, then, then you might, you know, you might do okay with social media, but I think if you're selling a, a, a service business, and especially if you're a consultant, then, you know, uh, I think social media for a lot of people, they should just forget about it and just get into the real marketing.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of wisdom in that, and and the, the the trouble I think people get into is that you can look out on the internet, and I I joke about this when I give speeches. I tell I tell everybody, look, don't tell anyone outside the room because they'll take away my marketer card. But here's the secret: every marketing strategy or tactic you've ever heard of works. They all work. They do. I can you give me a a marketing tactic. I can find you an example of somebody just killing it, being really successful with that tactic. Um, almost all the time you can find someone in any industry using it um, and being successful. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't find one in every specific tiny little niche, but, um, but the, the truth is they all work. The disconnect happens between you know what you see someone else doing, and and you're out here and you're dabbling in a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and a little bit of this, and you never really get deep enough with any one strategy to get to mastery. And so you know, because so, somebody will be listening to this and they'll go, oh, wait, 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 what about LinkedIn? What about Instagram? I saw, you know, Gary Vee's blowing it up on Snapchat. All of it works if you commit to it, and if your market is there and you can connect with them there and you commit to mastering it, it all works. So the question then really becomes, all right? for me to reach my people, you know, the people I most want to do business with, where can I find them and what's the, what's the easiest way for me to connect with them and begin to build relationships because that's what's going to speed along the whole process of getting clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I think you're right. I think that just about all of it does work. And I like what you said there. The the little caveat is your willingness to stick to it and, 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 uh, what do you call it, really crank it up. I mean, there is, what do you call it, Uh, I'll give you an example. This is a personal example. You mentioned LinkedIn. So I decided hey, I'm going to really spend some time learning, you know, how to use my LinkedIn. And and so I started spending a bunch of time with my LinkedIn. And, and uh, I want to say I did all this activity for a matter of, I want to say, two or three weeks. And, man, nothing really happened. Um, and then, because nothing happened, I, I stopped. And what's interesting is then all of a sudden I started getting a couple of nibbles. People started reaching out to me and I realized, oh, it's, it's that lag effect, right? Because I wanted instant results. And of course, at least for me, LinkedIn didn't work that way. I had to put in all this activity time and then I got a couple of nibbles here and ended up getting a client. Uh, and again, for some other people, Maybe they're better, smarter, or savvy, or whatever, and it works differently for them. But you know, that's kind of what you were, you were, you know, we call it talking about. Is that hey, if you if you're going to kill it like Gary V does, then you better start doing the activity that Gary V does.
1: Well, and and not only that, but commit to it for a long period of time. And um, yes. I tell you a sad, a sad, sad marketing story. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm the star of the story. Uh, back in 2012, I, uh, I launched a podcast, and it was my first podcast. And, um, and I went around and I actually stuck with it for a year. I interviewed 50-plus people, did a weekly podcast. This is back before podcasts sort of became all the rage that they are now. And, um, and I just didn't feel like I was getting anything out of that process, and it was a lot of work and and all that, and um, and so I stopped. And I stopped right at the beginning of 2013, and we did some other things. Um, And in 2014, I decided I'm going to write a book. And I wrote my first book, Unstoppable Referrals, launched it in July of that year. And right before the launch, so in June of that year, I started reaching back out to people that I had uh, I interviewed on this podcast because um, I I'd built some relationships with them. I mean, they, sure. it, you know from doing these that it creates a really strong bond, usually with the person you spend an hour together, usually have a pretty good time. And, of course, I was having them on and promoting their businesses. And so, you know, we had a decent relationship, and I'd stayed in touch. Well, I, I reached out to these 50 or so people and asked for help with the launch of the book. And 15 of the 50 said yes which I was really grateful for. And so we had it all set up. And back at that point, you know, you did this free Amazon promotion and then, you know, a discounted one and then the full price. You kind of went through this cycle. And we had all that set up and we gave them some emails to send. And those 15 people sent emails out. Some of them had, you know, really big followings and some of them had really tiny followings. But they sent that out there and and did it as a, a favor to me. And at the time, I mean, we were totally unknown really tiny little footprint very small list in terms of you know internet marketing fame and in a week in a single week those 15 relationships drove 5200 I think 68 referrals new leads for wow. us through the book and and I you know I scratched my head at that and it took me another couple of years to actually figure out the lesson and do something about it and restart a podcast. But what I realized was that the reason that those, that that opportunity presented itself was because a couple of years earlier, I was doing something that worked. I just didn't stick with it long enough to figure that out. And I see that happening, that same process. I mean, you know, I do this for a living and it happened to me. I see it happening to all kinds of business owners. Um, where they just give up too early. They they think that results should come easy and cheap. And in marketing, particularly in marketing, you know, a high-ticket thing, they typically don't. Um, despite what everybody is selling you online, they typically don't. And so you've got to pick something that you're going to stick with long enough, that you enjoy doing enough to stay with it, that, that you'll actually get those results. Because normally they're going to come. It just like you say, there's that lag.
0: Yeah. Now, that's a great, I think that's a great story. Here's my story, sad but true. But I think that's what <laughs> a lot of us do, right? You know yeah. we, we see somebody who's killing it and and, and you think, oh, well, I, I can do that or I can do that and do it better. And then, of course, you realize, oh, my gosh, this is so much more than I thought it was. and And, and That is the benefit, if you will, of somebody who's mastered it. Experts make it look easy. And because they make it look easy, everybody thinks they can do it until they try to do it. And then they realize, holy moly, this is much harder than I thought. Uh, You know, what's what's the, uh, what do you call it, the... uh, statistics, you know, 80% of all businesses fail within the first two years. And, you know, I've come to realize that I think sooner or later, your business would fail. Now, some businesses take 100, 100 years to fail. And some businesses, like I mentioned, take only a year or two to fail. But sooner or later, your business would fail. Hopefully, it'll take 100 years. Hopefully, uh, you know, you, you'll be able to ride the growth curve up or whatever, the growth wave up and, and have a lot of fun and stuff like that. But, you know, running a business, growing a business is difficult. It's, it's challenging. It's, it, it can be overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, uh, people sometimes get into something and they, and they realize, just like your podcast story, it's, it's, it's not happening. It's not what I predicted at all.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I'll tell you that I think the big risk isn't so much that your business might fail. Um, Those statistics are touted all over the place, and I started thinking about it and just thinking about all of the business owners that I know. I mean, real world, not forget people on the Internet and all that, but actual real world business owners. And I don't really know that many who have failed. Yeah, we had some economic challenges and 07, 08, 09, and that caused some some markets to stop functioning and people went out of business. But by and large, once they kind of get started and get off the ground and get going, they tend to stay going, but the problem is that they stall. I think Mm. that's the real risk because in a lot of cases, particularly with service businesses, I mean, that's who we work with, so I, I see them a lot more, but they get off the ground. You've got a founder who got tired of working for somebody else goes out, starts his own thing or her own thing and builds up a client base successfully, you know, and kind of pushes and pushes and pushes, usually just by sheer force of will to get it up and off the ground. And it's paying that, that founder a salary. And maybe he or she has a small team and they get to a point where they've got enough client load that they can't grow the business anymore and it just totally flatline. I mean, it doesn't flatline in the sense that it's dead. It just hits a plateau and it, it becomes so hard for that business owner to get off the plateau because the things that they did to go from zero to that point don't scale any further because they're all based on their own personal time. And so uh-huh. you start to see people do all kinds of crazy things like, do I need to hire salespeople? You know, do I need to, go invest a ton in certain types of marketing or whatever, but they don't really recognize that they used to go out and forge relationships on a regular basis. You know, they go networking or do whatever. They used to do all those sorts of things, and they just aren't opening new relationships with people anymore at the rate that they were, so all growth stops. And, and then they stall, and they get frustrated, and they get aggravated, and then they think, oh, my gosh, this is just what it is. Um, and so breaking through that I think is really, really difficult uh, for, for most entrepreneurs, um, you know, and, and uh, I mean, yeah, so much is written online these days about how do we get infinite scale and, you know, grow like crazy and all that, all the stuff that comes out of, of what's happening in Silicon Valley is great, but I find that it doesn't necessarily apply to what happens on Main Street. That the way that you grow up, a business in, I hate to call it the real world, but in the real world, you know, is, is different. You, you know, there often isn't infinite scale in a business model, but there may be infinite growth in terms of a uh, combination of revenue, freedom for the owner, you know, the, all those sorts of things. There may, may be ways to do it. And um, and that stall is what will just it'll eat an owner alive. Um, it will just frustrate them to no end. And I've seen that by itself, take some businesses down simply because the owner took their eye off the ball.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think sometimes what happens is that the owner understands that they're stalled. They know that they, and, and, you know, maybe they've haphazardly tried a few things, but they don't know what to do next. They're, they're a loss. They're confused. They're completely overwhelmed. They don't know what to do to do next. Um, is I think is also part of the problem, right? They're, they're kind of paralyzed a little bit. And this is where like a mastermind group or something like that would help a lot of people kind of break through. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's one of the best investments that you can make. Um, I've been investing in groups like that for at least 12 or 15 years now. Um, And Every time I make that investment, it always leads to growth because I get new ideas. I get more accountability. I mean, there's something just about showing up in a room of peers, right? Where yes. You, you were there like a couple of months ago and you said, well, oh, you gave me all these great ideas and here's what I'm going to go do. And then you go back, you have to get something done. So if nothing else, that will drive progress. Um, but I also think that running a business is a pretty lonely thing. Um, yes. There are things that that you can't tell your employees. There are things you can't tell your partners if you have partners sometimes. Um, there are things that sometimes you, you can't at the moment tell your spouse because they aren't fully baked. And um, and so having a group of people that you trust, that are going to keep all of your business in confidence, that um, that understand what you're going through and could be a sounding board is invaluable.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, you wrote a book called Unstoppable Referrals, and I think this is an area where a lot of people would definitely like to, uh, you know, see if they can grow their their business, and I want to talk about this a little bit and, and maybe dive into some of the things that you've learned about getting referrals, uh, the I, I think you call them foolproof tactics for successful referral marketing. I think you have uh, a list. Yeah. So
1: I, I figured out probably somewhere around 2012 that the old model for doing referrals was kind of broken and probably been broken for a long time, but it first kind of hit me that it was broken. Um, I was, I was given uh, a whole series of, uh, of workshops here in, in our local area. And um, everybody loved the workshops that came to them. They were popular. We had them filled out. We probably, over the course of the summer, put about 300 entrepreneurs through these workshops. And we were teaching the kind of tried and true advice about referrals, which you could boil down to essentially two ideas. And the first is to um, ask every client and every opportunity for a referral and then follow up until you get it. And, um, you know, and and that's good advice and it works. I mean, I built a business on that. Um, Had at that point in 2012 was two years into building our current firm and, uh, and was Mm -hmm. building it based on that. And so we taught all those things about um, probably about five or six months later, I went and met with about 20 of the people who had, Attended and uh, and asked them. So okay, I, I'm looking for case studies and testimonials. What great things have you accomplished since we were all together? And Bert, I got to tell you, it was the most depressing set of meetings I've ever had <laughs> because they hadn't done anything, nothing, uh, not one of them. I mean, they all said, "Oh, these are great ideas. Yeah, I need to get to that." You know, yeah, I, I put. I put the materials on, on my desk and then my assistant put something on top of it. I forgot. And, um, and so I, I I quickly started asking questions and really kind of digging into it. And and the bottom line is what what I found through that process is that um, the whole practice of asking for referrals in the way that we've sort of all been taught to do it, which you sort of say, so do you know anybody that, you know, that could use what I'm selling today. Um, That makes most business owners a little bit uncomfortable. Now, there are the percentage of people who are uh, professional salespeople that usually don't have any issue with that whatsoever. But but for most business owners, they've got a relationship with this client, often a really valuable relationship, and they feel like making that additional ask is putting – just a little bit more pressure on that relationship, taking just a little bit more out of, the, out of the relationship bank account. And they don't want to overdraw. And so they're very careful about doing it. And, um, you know, and then once you do make the ask, you now put your client in the position of having to prospect and sell for you. And I believe that those are the two most difficult op- activities in any business prospecting and selling, identifying who is a potential client and then convincing them to have a meeting with you. And, I, you know, I don't know what we're thinking with referrals, but if we aren't able to identify those people ourselves and know how to approach them so that they'll have a meeting with us, you better believe your prospects are going to have trouble doing it, or excuse me, your, your clients are going to have trouble doing it. Um, And frankly, for most of your clients, they don't want to go have that pseudo sales conversation with someone that they know because they know that when they introduce them to you, that meeting that you have with their friend is called a sales meeting. Yeah. The only thing, you know, the only way we measure success in a sales meeting is if I walk away with money and you've bought something. And so there's tons of risk in all of that for the client and uh most business owners know that and they're reluctant to put their clients in that position so they don't ask they hope that well if we really do great work we'll get referrals um, you know and, and unfortunately while you will get some that way you will not get all the ones that you should so i started thinking about well how do we fix this how do we get them to the point that they're comfortable and um And really what we began to see was that most people are trying to get a 100% or a 90% pre-sold prospect through a refund. (laughs) They're, you know, they want somebody who's already at the buying, end of the buying cycle. And that's really hard for clients to do. And if we stop and we say, okay, well, instead of that, if – if I could create a way to get in front of people who could maybe possibly be a prospect and do it in a way where there's no risk for my client, in fact, makes my client look good and do it in a way that there's no risk for the prospect. There's of this pressure of having an immediate meeting that actually might serve them. then this whole process gets easier. And so, so that's, that was sort of the premise that we started on. Um, and, I, and I'm happy to kind of go through the details, but that that's kind of where we, we, Change the approach to referrals
0: yeah, I like that all right, so let's go through it a little bit because I think referrals mystify people, and I think at the same time it is important and and everything you did I think everything that you talked about, most people are probably going yes, I agree, that's me, I hate to ask, but I know it's important, so give me some of your tips, some of your strategies
1: well, so the, the fundamental thing is you've got to think about number one. Who who are your prospects? You've got to do the prospecting. You've got to think about whether it's a really tight description of who you want to work with or, even better, a list of names. Because for most businesses, particularly if you're selling B2B, you can come up with a list of names. But even if you're selling business to consumer in a lot of cases, you can come up either with a list of names or, again, a very, very tight profile of who you want. And – Um, And so that's first. So you've got to take all of the legwork of prospecting out of the hands of your clients, and you've got to take that responsibility on. It's yours anyway. Once you've done that, now you've got the beginning, right? You know who you're going after. Then the second thing you've got to do is you've got to give that client a really easy way to get you in front of those people. And we have kind of coined the term referral kit that and what we mean by a referral kit is really just taking the information that you would maybe otherwise communicate about the problem the prospect faces and what sort of the consequences of it are what some of the solutions are taking all of that information you'd normally communicate that maybe in a sales meeting if you got introduced to someone package that up put it in a report put it in a short book put it in a presentation Package it in a way that your client can go, uh, you know, hey, Bert, I just came across um, somebody who's really, really expert at, uh, you know, at, at figuring out business finances more than an accountant. You know, if they could show you how to come up with, you know, 50% more um, in expense reduction or something, would you be interested? They put this book together. In fact, you could, you could read it you know, and where it's in some kind of form where it can be passed on really easily. Um, It gets you introduced to that prospect a lot more easily, more quickly. It allows your clients to say, you know, as you tell them who your your, um, prospect profile is or you give them specific names, it allows them to go, oh, yeah, I I, I I get it now. And maybe they know even more people that are like that that they can get it to because there's no risk they're much more inclined to help you. Um, and so using that little piece of information, and we have clients that have written short books, and, and the shortest of short books, the, the record holder so far, is 12 type pages in Microsoft Word. Calling it a book is being generous, but it's a book. You know, so there's that on the low end. Um, a little report, it can be a really, really useful checklist in some businesses, You know, a a super useful checklist can be very valuable. Um, We have clients that that package up their information and deliver it as either a webinar or a seminar where their clients will invite people into that. So there's all kinds of ways you can do it, but but the point is you've taken all the risk of this one-on-one sales meeting out of the equation, and you're coming forward saying, look, I've got some really valuable information that will help the people that you know, Mr. Client. And I think it's just be a great way to, for you to give value to your network, to the people, you know, if they do business with us, great. If they don't, that's great. I'm on a mission to help solve this particular problem and educate people about the, their options here. And I need your help in, in fulfilling that mission. And clients would jump on board with that all day long.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, that here's the thing that's interesting about that. First of all, we all know there's a lot of power in the written word. And if you were to put together a special report, a book, whatever you end up calling it, something that's fairly easy, fairly portable, physical, as well as digital, then you're arming your clients. I love that.
1: Yeah, you're you're arming them um, and and you're making it easy for them. And a lot of times they'll want to help you, but they don't know how, or, you know, they don't have time. Life is busy these days. Um, if, if you're working with other business people, they got their own set of problems to worry about. So if you can make it super easy for them and painless to introduce you, I mean, we even coach our clients to you know, do all the work for them. If they're willing to, you know, mail something out for you, I'm a big believer in sending physical stuff because it, it tends to own real estate uh, in that prospect's world, you know, if if they're willing to to do that, tell them, look, we'll, you know, my office will put together all the mailers, we'll put together the letters, you just give us your letterhead, we'll write the letter, you can approve it, you know, we'll put the stamps, and we'll take care of all of that, just, you know, if you give us the list, we'll do it. And oftentimes, a client will be very happy to do that, because again, they want to help, but they don't want to do any work.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And by the way, this goes without I say it goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it, And that is, you know, obviously you have to do a good job for your clients. And that that's the baseline. Yeah, And so that's a given. All right, so I like this idea of arming your clients, and then what else? Um,
1: th- that's key, right? So you've armed right. them both with knowledge of who you're going after and now they've got information. And in that information that they get, there needs to be an offer in there that is crystal clear for that prospect so that they know how to take a next step with you and even when that next step might be appropriate for them. And in a a perfect world, when you're doing this with your clients, you're getting the contact information. Um, And what we see is, it's about 60, 40, maybe 70, 30, about 60 to 70% of the the clients that you're working with will share the contact information or introduce you in such a way that you get the contact information, um, which is, you know, you need that. Um, And then you follow up with them over time. You stay in front of them over time. You've opened a relationship now. All right. The client has done the part that only they can do, which is make the connection for you. They're out of the game now. Now it's your job to show up and be a good steward of that relationship that you've now opened and continue to add value to it and move them through the sales process. And, you know, that sometimes it happens quickly and, and sometimes it takes time, like any selling process. But um, you have to shift your mindset away from believing that every referral is pre-sold and ready to buy in the next 30 days. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I think that you know so so that I think that is one of the what do you call it the the mistakes that a lot of people make, oh, it's a referral. And a lot of people try to make take, try to take the shortcut. Right? Hey, listen, uh I've been working with Steve Gordon for years. He's awesome and and I'm so glad he referred you to me. And that's great, but now you still have to go through the same steps as building rapport uh, and you may not have to build as much rapport because again, you are a referral uh, and so on and so on. So, so that's where I think a lot of people also drop the ball. They, they try to get a shortcut and then and they go, wow, that referral didn't buy from me. Why? Well, because you treated it too unprofessionally for lack of better terms.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- we're so short-sighted sometimes with this stuff. And in the past, I've been guilty of it too. Back in my first business, it took us years before we had any kind of follow-up process that was consistent. And um, most businesses have got a giant leaky bucket and they get referrals. People call in and are interested. They get leads through their website. And if that lead doesn't close quickly, you know, or doesn't respond right away. Um, you know, and you hear this all the time. And we're, I'm in the process of writing a, another book on, um, on follow-up and how to do follow-up really well. And I've been asking our audience questions, like what questions do you have? And the number one question that keeps coming back is, well, what, if I, what do I do if they don't respond? You know, and so we all kind of go through this of like, well, how do I follow up? And, and that's where all the money is made, you know? Solving that problem in your business is the difference between you having a consistent steady flow of new business and not. Yeah. You know, the new leads coming in can go up and down. It can be seasonal. Things can change the economy, all that kind of stuff. But if you're always building this group of people that could be really good future clients for you and communicating with them consistently over time and frequently over time, um, you know, you pretty quickly will build up a bulletproof business.
0: Yeah. And, and again, I I have to agree with you. Follow-up is so important. I think about every week we get somebody who buys from our company. And then when we find out, you know, either we ask them or we look it up on our database, we find out they've been following us for a year, two years. Five years, and because they've consistently gotten information from us, they're finally ready to buy. Yep, that is that, that is it, more common than not. Yeah, no, it's 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 so important, and people you know fail to uh, find that out or to uh, make that a priority. All right, so we have you, you're armed your client. In there, you you put a very specific call to action in the book or report or whatever. Um, Anything else?
1: Well, again, follow-up is key. Um, Follow-up, okay. You know, and and staying in front of them. And, you know, the the thing that really kind of messes people up with with follow-up is they don't know what to say, and they don't want to be a bother.
0: Well, and on top of that, you don't want to say, hey, I'm just following up to see if you got my last email, or I'm following up to see where you're at on the process. It just sounds so – sounds bad after a while. It's stupid, right? You're saying yeah. the same thing over and over again. It's just every two weeks or every 30 days. So what's your thought? Any, I, any. Uh, well,
1: I, I'm a big believer in having kind of a default move for follow-up. So
0: okay.
1: the default move, and, and we teach all of our clients this, and we do this ourselves – the default move is you're going on our email list. Right. And the one, one way we follow up with everybody in our world, client part, you know, referral partner, prospect, you name it is you end up on our email list and we're sending out really good, valuable stuff every week to create that relationship. And, and frankly, to create some authority around our business and some, you know, some expert status around our business um, and so that's the first piece. And frankly, if that's all that you ever implement, you'll be light years ahead of most businesses. So, so that's really key. And, and it's funny when, like, when we'll do this for a client who hasn't been following up before, all of a sudden they have this, like, epiphany moment, like, oh, so the lead came in, and I just stick them here, and they're going to hear from me. Like, yep, that's how easy it is. And it shouldn't be any harder than that or you're not going to do it. And so you have to have that built in. Um, we can talk about, you know, what content to create, how to do that easily and all that, because that, that's a whole other thing that people get tricked up on. But So that's one kind of follow-up. The other kind of follow-up is the more kind of one-on-one, you know, how do I continue this conversation with this person? And, um, and most of the time what I see happen there is that people try and communicate too much and they, you know, a lot of times they'll do it through email now, um, but same thing applies to, you know, doing it over the telephone and using voicemail and all that. They try and get their whole message across in one message, you know? So if it's been a couple of weeks since they talked to a prospect, they will now give the, you know, Magna Carta of emails, like everything you ever wanted to know about our company and what we might be able to do for you. And it's too much. And it also stifles response. People don't know how to respond to that. And so the the most effective way that you can do that one-on-one follow-up is to keep it short and ask questions. You know, one email, one question, not one email, five questions. Yeah, you probably want five answers, but one email, one question. And the goal is not to send a follow-up email. It's actually to trigger an exchange, to get a conversation going, whether it's email or or you're doing voicemail and phone and all that. And what we've seen is if you can do that, usually after one or two, sometimes three exchanges back and forth, it's really easy to say, if you're doing this by email or LinkedIn or something like that, it's really easy to say, Hey, why don't we continue this over the phone? I have a couple more ideas for you. What's, you know, what's your, what's the best number to reach you and and give me two times. And almost all the time, because now they've been engaged in this conversation. It's the natural, it's sort of the natural next step. You're actually right. moving things forward. You know, where, when you're just dumping the information on them, it's like, you're just throwing stuff over the fence and hoping that they'll catch it and, and uh, do something with it, and you've over- overwhelmed them, and you're not going to get a
0: response. Yeah. I, and I don't know about you, but man, if somebody sends me a really big, long email, I'm done. You know, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. If somebody leaves me a really long voicemail, you know, because I can look at my phone and say, oh, that voicemail is two minutes long, uh, chances are I'm not going to even listen to it. I'm just gonna call, I'm just going to call you back and say, I didn't listen to your voicemail you know, what, you know, what did you want? <laughs> it's just too much. Uh, all right. So, but anyway, so I, I, I love these ideas and uh, real quick, if somebody wanted to find out more about your company and, you know, they have a service business and they want to maybe check out if maybe uh, you're right for them, what website should they visit?
1: Yeah. So um we've set up a page just for all of your listeners and uh, they can go to unstoppableceo.net slash money for lunch. And, and when they go there, we've got some resources. So um, I've got a free copy of our latest book, which is called the exponential network strategy, um, which is really about how, 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 we do it ourselves and how, how we teach our clients to build lots of business relationships in a short amount of time with a lot of leverage, um, you know, so you don't have to run around the networking events all the time and you can actually do it in a, in a much more effective way, uh, more powerful way. So they can get a free copy of the book there. Um, and uh, we've also created an entire guide on selling professional services. Uh, which they can find there. There's no opt-in to get it. They just, if they go there, there's a link at the bottom of that page to get it. And if they'd like to, you know, find out more about what we do and um, you know, and uh, about the done for you marketing that we offer, there's a link on there where they can book a time to, to talk with me or someone from the team. And again, they can do that at unstoppableceo.net slash money for lunch. I
0: love that unstoppableceo.net Money for lunch. I'm going to put this link in the show notes so you guys can visit with Steve and, uh, and, and kind of check it out. I love that. UnstoppableCEO.net forward slash money for lunch. I, I, I think that's just uh, uh, so smart. So far, everything we've talked about has been so smart, Steve. I, I just uh, I love it. I love it. Let's talk about something else. Uh, You mentioned earlier on your experience with a podcast. uh, And obviously we're on a podcast now uh, using podcasts to land clients uh, and massive referrals. Talk about that.
1: So most people get the point of a podcast completely wrong. They think it's all about getting a big audience and listeners and, and all of that. And while that's great, we look at that as nothing more than a really nice strategic byproduct of the whole process. But for us, the value in a podcast is that it gives you a media platform and it turns you into kind of kind of part journalist, part mini celebrity within your market. And when you have that kind of positioning, you can go out and connect with people that you don't know and connect with them very, very easily. And so, what we, uh, what we do with our own podcast, what we do for our clients. So we actually produce podcasts on behalf of our clients so that they can create these relationships. And we'll tell them, look, let's make a list of people you really want to do business with. We call it the target 100. Come up with a list of hundred, maybe 150 of uh, you know, people that fit into two categories. They're either prospects or they would be amazing referral relationships. And instead of you trying to, you know, storm the castle gate to get in through the gatekeeper, why don't we approach them and say, and our team does this, we'll, you know, we'll send an email and say, hey, this is, um, you know, like, if, if it comes from one of our teammates, it might be, hey, this is Macy from, you know, from Burt's uh, podcast production team, and um, we'd really love to have you on for an interview, on on such and such a podcast and here's who listens to it and here are the benefits of being on it for you we'll be able to share it with your you know with our audience and introduce them to your business and you'll get a copy of it you'll be able to share that with all of the prospects and clients that are in your network um and and give you you know credibility and uh and we've got some times available over the next couple of weeks you know here pick one and You would be amazed at the people that you can get on the phone to do an interview. People that you couldn't have come in contact with in virtually any other way, suddenly you have bypassed the gatekeeper. You've gotten to a point where you can have a conversation with them. And no, it's not a sales conversation. It's an interview. It's a fun conversation like this. But the point is, you start off the relationship by making a friend. You start off the relationship by giving value to them by helping that business owner promote their business shining the light on them, making them feel really good. Um, or I don't know how it is for you, but I know whenever I do a podcast interview, like we walk away at the end of that, and I know I've had a good time. The guest has had a good time. Um, I know I'm having a good time today. So it it's just a wonderful way to start a relationship. Now the next time you want to come back and talk to that person, uh, maybe you want to talk to them about some ideas that you have that could help their business that, you know, you might be able to bring to them as a, a a service provider. Now they're going to take your call. They're going to know who you are. You're going to have familiarity. Yeah. They're going to yep. welcome your call. So that's how we use it.
0: No, and, and I think that's a uh, the the smartest way of using it. So so I tell you the uh, the connection I, I that I have made from having a show, you couldn't put a price on it. Um, so. One of the connections I made is with a gentleman named Bill Bartman, who was at one point a billionaire, and and he passed away a couple of years ago. But this guy endorsed my book, dominatingyourmind.com, available free now. Uh, uh, He endorsed my book, and on top of that, him and I did business together because of this podcast. Uh, And back to what you said, you were connecting with people that otherwise you'd have – no chance of connecting. If I would have called this guy up and said, Hey, I want to do business with you, or I want to sell you something. You know, there'd been so many layers between him and me actually talking to him. It would have been horribly hard. However, because I had no set expectations, I had him on my show, not once, not two, but I think a total of three or four times before there was enough rapport there where him and I started talking off the show and, you know, and so, uh that has happened to me numerous times. Yes, I get clients from the show, but 90% of the stuff that I get from the show is knowledge and relationships. And the knowledge and the relationships really have been priceless.
1: Yeah, that to me that's the fastest path to the money now over time. You know, so we're uh we just published our 108th, uh, 109th episode, something like that in the last week and on our own podcast. And it took about 12 months before we started to prospects show up who were listeners of the show. Mm-hmm. And they would say stuff on sales calls like, oh, yeah, you know, my buddy so-and-so suggests I listen to it. I've been listening for, you know, the last, you know, couple of weeks or whatever. Or I had one guy tell me, you know, he he was going on a business trip driving and he downloaded a whole bunch of our episodes he listens to like 20 or 30 of our episodes now our episodes are 30 minutes long so he spent like 10 hours listening to me interview people getting to know me through that process um and when he showed up on sales call he was ready to go yeah Um, so there are some advantages on the listenership side but it takes some time The fastest path is through the relationship. The most powerful path is through the relationships. But you do get this really great side benefit without doing any extra work, which over time you start to build familiarity with the people who listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And you know what? Speaking of 30 minutes, we're getting close to end of our time, but I do want to talk about something else that frightens people to death, and that is increasing – your fees as a service provider, as a service business. I want you to talk about this, Steve, because this is something I believe in wholeheartedly. And I'll, you know, give us your take on this because, you know, when you, when somebody, I'm sure you've gotten this, you tell somebody, well, you gotta increase your prices. They look at you like you're crazy. They're, they're scared to do it. So maybe share some tips on how To do it correctly.
1: So I know we we've only got about five minutes left, so I'll make this quick uh, because we could probably spend hours on this all by itself. The number one reason that if you're sitting there as a service provider right now and you're not happy with what you're getting paid, the number one reason that that is true in your life is that you have no pipeline. Mm. And because you have no pipeline, you have no confidence that when you're in front of the next prospect, you're in a situation where you've got to sell them, sometimes to stay in business. You know, if not the next one, one of the next one or two, you know, you've got to close them. And um, and that's not a really powerful position to be in if you want to raise your prices. Now, the truth is you could raise your prices in that situation and the prospects would probably go right along with it if you've positioned yourself well, but you won't have the confidence to do it because there's not another opportunity waiting in the wings. And so if you really want to have the confidence to raise your prices, you've got to focus on creating more opportunity for yourself, creating more demand for your business. And once you do that, then it becomes really easy to say to any particular prospect, well, if you're not willing to pay my price, I got another guy lined up behind you. Right. Right. That's, yeah. And so everybody looks at it as a pricing issue. It's not a pricing issue. It's a demand issue.
0: Yeah. I had a buddy of mine who used to say you're being held hostage by, you know, the fact that you only have two or three prospects or you're being held hostage because you only have two or three clients. It's the same scenario, right? If you had 100 Absolutely. prospects or if you had, you know, uh, plenty of clients, then you would, you know, you'd easily raise your prices. You wouldn't mm-hmm. think anything about it but sometimes we hold ourselves hostage.
1: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's, you know, frankly that's the reason that, that I do what I do is to, to take, you know, people who aren't natural at selling and they aren't natural marketers, but are really good at serving their clients and trying, and, you know, get them out of that situation so that they can have that confidence so that they can raise those prices. And I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Well, Steve Gordon, we're out of time. It's been an absolute blast having you on the show. I want to give out the website one more time. It's unstoppableceo.net forward slash money for lunch, all spelled out, unstoppableceo.net money for lunch or forward slash money for lunch. It's going to be in the show notes and you can go and visit with Steve and and see what he's about. Uh, And what's really nice uh, I'm here at the website and he's got not one, not two, not three, but four ways that, that, uh, he can help you out. For instance, he's got uh get your free guide to landing new clients without selling, uh, watch the free training on how to pre-sell prospects so that you're so they are pre-di- predisposed, predisposed to doing business with you. Um, and, uh, You can get a copy of the exponential network strategy for free, and uh, then you can also find out if uh, if they're done for you, marketing services right for you, uh, and that uh, just takes a quick uh, call. So uh, a lot of the stuff, as far as I know, doesn't require you you to opt in. Uh, Obviously, if you're going to make a, if you're going to sit and visit with Steve, you might have to give up your information there, but you know, go, go and visit Steve's website, unstoppableceo.net forward slash money for lunch. See if he can help you see if it's a good fit. He's got a lot of great stuff on there. And Steve Gordon, I want to say thank you so much for stopping by and sharing today. Thanks Bert. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you having me. righty, sir. Good stuff there from Steve Gordon. Be unstoppable. CEO. I love that title. What a great attention grabber. I wish I would have come up with that. Um, Anyway, hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to today's show. It's been a blast. I mean, look, we covered a lot of stuff. We covered how to to foolproof your referral system. Um, And on the website, uh, Steve has more information there. Um, We talked about How to use a podcast to uh, pre-sell yourself, build relationships, uh, and then, of course, raising your prices. Dude, you got to raise your prices. Unless I'm buying from you, then you probably need to lower your prices. Just kidding. Anyway, go visit Steve and his team, unstoppableceo.net forward slash money for lunch. Remember, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people as we can get more referrals and get more business. And as always, my friends, remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.